0: Welcome to episode 11 of Dirt Stories. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Becca Grieb, and today I'm chatting with Brent, our Director of Customer Success at Dozer. We're gonna chat with him about his long career in the landscaping industry. Previously, he worked in operations management, empowering employees to work efficiently and building successful relationships between customers and other businesses. He is passionate about customer relationships, about heavy equipment, and about helping people to be successful in their own business ventures. We're excited to hear Brent's dirt story and to share it with you today. Let's dive in. Today I'm chatting with Brent, our Director of Customer Success at Dozer. He has had a long career in the landscaping industry and we are excited today to dive into his dirt story. So Brent, hello, thank you for joining us.
1: Thanks, Becca, appreciate it. Let's
0: kick things off by learning a little bit about you. Can you introduce yourself and tell our listeners a little bit about what you do at Dozer?
1: So again, like Becca said, my name is Brent Giles, I'm the Director of Customer Success here at Dozer. Um, myself and my team basically handle everything from, uh, handoff from our sales, um, division. Um, once the contracts, are, our rental agreements are signed, we're kind of handling everything from that point, uh, to the end of the rental period and everything in between. So we're, we're kind of the first contact for any breakdowns, repairs, damages to equipment. Um, we handle and field most client, um, questions during the course of their rental, um, so we're kind of handling everything um, after the initial contract is signed, including pickup and delivery logistics, that type of thing for, uh, for anybody who requires it.
0: Nice. What do you like most about your role?
1: I, again, I think for me, it's, uh, I've said this a lot over the, with my, my time here, I think it's the interaction with people. Um, I spent years, as, as we're going to talk about in the, in the landscape and snow industry, have a lot of contacts, a lot of these same people um are, are utilizing our dozer marketplace. So uh instead of being seen as the competition now, <laughs> I'm being seen more as uh uh you know, we're we're allies now and we can work together. So interacting yeah. with everybody and still being able to problem solve and do things that I've always done with uh with within the industry is has allowed me to uh you know that's probably the biggest thing for me yeah what I love the most. So.
0: Nice. So So director of customer success, I have to ask, we spoke to Tim Forestell in a previous episode about customer service, customer success, the difference between the two. Can you give our listeners a little bit of your definition around customer success and what that means?
1: Put me on the spot. (laughs) Uh, I think customer, at the end of the day, I think the rental industry, the landscape industry, we're all service industries, so we're driven by the customer, um, and and that's everything from from sales to marketing to customer success. Um, we're service industries. Um, we all provide a service, and, and the the client utilizes that service. So for me, that that customer success piece, that client service piece, is all it all relates back to how we operate within the industry, within these different divisions that we all may be working in. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, definitely. I like, I like customer success almost over customer service because it really shows that we're trying to define how we serve our customers as helping their businesses to be successful. I think that's awesome.
1: 100%, absolutely. We'll talk about that further too. I mean, I, I, I totally agree. I think that yeah. that's, uh, and once everybody in this industry, both whether we're talking about heavy equipment or we're talking about landscape or snow or construction or earth moving, whatever the, the division of, of, uh, or industry that you're in, we're a service industry. We're hired by a customer to perform a job. So not only to dig that hole, but to, um, to be able to, to take that, that whole process from the beginning to make sure that their relationship is, or sorry, make sure that their uh, experience is a positive one.
0: Nice. You worked in the landscape industry, I believe for 20 years before you were at Dozer. Can you tell us a little bit about your background in the landscape industry and what your role or roles were?
1: Sure. Um, I started in this industry, it was a little over 20 years ago. Um, I, my background is in turf grass. So I went to school for, for turf grass. I think maybe at one point I was aspiring to be in the golf industry. Um, but, uh, I started out there, uh, went to school for, for, for turf craft management, and uh, I ended up starting as a sales manager for uh, a couple of the largest uh, lawn care companies in, in Canada and the US. So one was Weedman and the other was Neutralon. So I spent about four or five years between the two of them um, working corporately uh, you know, in management positions, sales, service, um, and then obviously some training and development. At that point, I moved on, and I got involved with as an entrepreneur and, and started my own business um, in Guelph, Ontario, where I continued for close to ten years, um, operating, owning, and operating that business. I was lucky enough and fortunate enough at the time to be able to sell that business, which I did. Uh, so that uh, that was great. Uh, from that point, I moved on to uh, staying within this, within the industry, I moved on to Clintar uh, Landscape Management, which is, for those who don't know, is probably the is you know Canada's biggest landscape uh, maintenance and snow company, um, and I in the top ten in North America. So um, at that point, I was the director of operations. So I was involved with business support, um, franchise development, um, you know, dealing with startup companies, dealing with tendered large companies and we would be basically franchise support and, and uh, training development for for clintar uh, across north america um and after that i joined dozer here i am and uh <laughs> kind nice. of taking all, taking all those things i've learned over the last 20 years and trying to uh you know yeah do something new in in this industry and and obviously uh continue to help out uh The landscape and snow world the the best I can.
0: That's a pretty solid path but I gotta ask talk to me about turf grass like that's a very specific.
1: Mm -hmm. So turf grass basically is is grass I mean we that that, uh, you know it's everything from um, we cover everything from fertilized pesticides herbicides we deal with golf industries we deal with residential lawn care um, sports fields it is a pretty broad (laughs) sector Um, other than than what you've seen it's it's uh, it's not glorious but it's it's fun and it allows yeah I didn't even know you could I didn't know you could go to school for that that's that's super cool yeah interesting
0: (laughs) you're in the landscaping industry now you're with dozer construction heavy equipment did you have experience in landscaping or heavy equipment that kind of pushed you toward moving into this industry or or what made you in general start your career in this Um, industry?
1: Again, I, I grew up, you know, and kind of on a farm and in the ag industry and I was always active in the outdoors. Um, so obviously it's, I knew I wanted to be working outside. Um, so it was kind of a natural progression. I don't think there was anything specific specifically that pushed me into landscape heavy equipment, that type of thing. Um, but I think just my love for the outdoors and my passion for being outside all the time. is kind of what brought me into it.
0: Nice. Nice. So let's talk about the landscape landscaping industries specifically. Mm -hmm. So do you see landscaping and heavy equipment and construction as being, you know, over overlapping or intertwining or why or why not?
1: Um, I do somewhat I think that uh, you know if i if I look at my past and, and a lot of um, a lot of the companies and businesses that i've dealt with over the years i most of the landscape companies you know I might be generalizing here, but a lot of the landscape companies do start out uh in maintenance and cutting grass gardening uh, tree trimming, those types of things maintaining landscapes it's It's great work you can make you know a heck of a lot of money, um, but the margins are lower so natural progression at least from my experience is that we would start to take on large construction projects and when you start to take on larger larger construction projects obviously you have you know know, margins are better uh, but you do have a need for for some heavy equipment at that point whether it's a mini x or a skid steer um, you do start to um, require some of that equipment Um, and a lot of us in our industry that you know, do things in the summertime, naturally we're, normally we're um, pushing snow in the, in the winter. So yeah we're in need of some heavy equipment and, and having that equipment be able to, to, uh, to be used year round is obviously key. So yeah, there is a correlation between landscape construction and, and uh, actual construction, earth moving and things like that. So.
0: Yeah. We always say, you know, as you know, at Dozer, you know, we support the men and women that build and feed our world. So I think they're that, that kind of gives the impression that we do see some overlap there, which makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is one of my favorite questions to ask people. Um, when you think about your career and you reflect back, was there a particular moment where you said like, okay, yes, I'm in the right industry. I'm in the right career. Or you ha- did you ever have an aha moment over the last 20 something years?
1: You know what? I, I thought about this and, and you know, yeah, I, I don't think I had an aha moment, but I, I definitely think that um, I, because of my love for the outdoors, my passion for being outside, um, I knew I needed to work in the field. I need to, I need to be outside, not sitting at a desk. Um, so I think that, you know, I was able to blend work and play, if that makes sense, um, definitely. being outside. Um, I, there wasn't a specific defining moment, but it was early on for sure. Um, that I knew was in the right field. Just being able to be in the outdoors—that was my for sure.
0: So. Yeah. So you were talking earlier about your previous role um, at Clintar, working in operations, and now you're in customer success. Was working when you were working on the operational side of the landscape industry. What were some of the common issues or problems that you saw most often?
1: I think overall and and, um, over my tenure, I would say we've had some ups and downs around a few things. But specifically, I think that you're going to find that most landscape snow companies, construction companies, they're going to struggle with labor, um, both finding and keeping staff. You know, they need to there's a, there's a fine line there. I think that we've, you know, labor is going to be your highest expense and your most, uh, most important asset is going to be your people. So I think that that, that's from the operational side. Um, that's a common issue both on the hiring of people. And then of course of the retaining of those staff, um, right. Wild, wildly important. Um, I guess. Yeah. And the other one too, I mean, creating good culture and all the fun stuff. Um, Cash flow for landscape companies sometimes is, is, a, is a, difficult, a difficult one, a common problem that comes up a lot.
0: Right. So there might be a little bit of overlap with this question then, but it, you know, our, our listeners, we have a pretty broad range of listeners. We have operators, we have business owners, we have small business owners. Are, is there one, if you could pass on one piece of advice to a small business owner in landscaping or maybe in an, another industry, what advice would you give them?
1: I think any small business owner needs to control for big costs when you're reviewing financial statements and looking at things. When you're looking at your business as a whole, I always said, and this is my opinion, but I believe that if you can control your labor, you can control your materials, control your fuel, and control your equipment lines. Those things are going to make up 65 to 75% of your overall gross income. So you can control those costs. And if you look at nothing else in your business, other than those four things, you should set yourself up for success, especially in the early um, stages of your business. We deal like here at Dozer, we do deal with a lot of young companies. So um, that's for sure. What one big takeaway for me would, would, and that's what I learned when I was just starting out as well. Keep an eye on those four big costs, labor, material, fuel, and equipment.
0: Nice. There you have it, people write it down, <laughs> take some notes. There
1: you go. <laughs> This podcast is sponsored by Dozer, the world's first heavy equipment rental e-commerce solution. Search equipment rentals online anytime at dozer.com.
0: So I want to talk a little bit about trends in the industry. We've been doing a little bit of reading over what's been coming up on social media and in blogs, topics like low maintenance yards, Um, how to create beautiful outdoor living spaces, you know, Pinterest has probably taken over uh, our lives. I maybe I'm speaking for myself on that one, but, you know, building landscapes that also support, you know, our ecosystems and environments. Are there any trends in landscaping that you think are cool or that stand out to you or have you personally embraced
1: any? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've got a couple here. Um, I think, Number one, you're going to see a big shift in the landscape maintenance, landscape construction side of the industry where we're already seeing, um, battery powered mowing equipment, you know, the last couple of years has start to, uh, to start to come about, um, zero emissions, you know, you're reducing your carbon footprint just simply by not using fuel. Um, and that's obviously there's zero emissions on some of those big ride on, um, Units that we used to use that were that were guzzling gas. So you again control your costs. So if we're going back to the previous question, yeah. looking at your fuel costs. Um, there you again, go. <laughs> so battery powered uh, standing and ride-on lawnmowers for for large uh, larger uh, commercial uh, maintenance contracts. Uh, we're seeing a lot of rainwater collection for landscapes. So um, rain barrels, simple tools that you can use to water your landscapes. Um, in addition, we—I know when I was at Clintar, we had a, a number of of, uh, of our franchise owners that were collecting rainwater from their rooftop and using it for not only gardens and, and watering in the summertime to keep, nice uh, nursery That's stock, super lot, cool. But they are also using that water to collect it and make salt brine for the for winter applications on uh, on Nashville. So super cool. Yeah. And then there's one more that's come about in the last that I don't know what tons about because I have a limited amount of experience, but uh, obviously traveling trade shows and talking to people all over um, virtually virtual reality has become a, a, a thing now for landscape uh, contractors. So Becca, we come to your house. We want to build you a landscape traditionally 10 to 15 years ago. We're providing you with a blueprint and a drawing and things like that. Uh, well, that's evolved now that we're, where Becca's gonna put a headset on and she's literally gonna walk through her backyard and see her new landscape.
0: That's so, awesome.
1: Yeah, you'll be able to see it virtually before we build it, uh, which I think is very cool. Um, I think it's in its infancy right now, but I think you're gonna see that, that trend is gonna continue. I mean, VR has become a, uh, you know, <laughs> pretty much a mainstream for, for recreation for people. Yeah,
0: so, Yeah, that's super interesting. It. That's interesting, especially now with with COVID and everyone kind of working at home and businesses operating a little bit differently. I I've actually experienced that at home in my personal life, where we're finally tackling you know the landscaping question of our backyard and what do we do? And it's it's been an interesting experience where we're contacting business owners and they're saying, Oh, Hey, you know, take a picture of your backyard or send us dimensions and that sort of thing. And it VR would really play a cool role there in helping yeah. us to, to create that and envision it.
1: Absolutely. I think that that, even if it was in 2d, it would be, it'd be just to be able to walk through your own space and see where the pool may be going and the waterfall and the, you know, the garden, you know, it's, just, it's, it's a pretty, pretty neat experience. I was able to, uh, wear one of the headsets at a trade show last year. Um, and it uh, yeah, it's pretty neat, especially when it's, cool. your own, yeah, especially when it's your own space and you've seen that space. Before. Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah. I'm glad you brought up reducing your carbon footprint by not using fuel as well, because all we've been reading about with sustainability and, you know, construction best practices for you know, being more environmentally friendly, this, the CO2 emissions part of it is such a hot topic right now. And I think it's so important that people become more aware of that and how they can play a role in reducing it overall.
1: Absolutely. And I think a lot of construction landscape companies, earth moving companies, excavation companies, these types of businesses are constantly, and I, for the foreseeable future, are going to be using heavy equipment. Um, so why not do our best to to help offset some of that um, and where possible, use battery-powered equipment. And that's—you can use hand. I mean, they have everything from a line trimmer to a, you know, a 70-inch zero-turn lawnmower. So they're uh, and they're becoming more affordable. So they're coming down in cost, and it's it's really making a whole lot more sense if you compare your costs on fuel and oil and and uh, labor and maintenance on 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 those specific units. You will find that it's uh, it's it's drastically less for uh, for battery-powered equipment.
0: Right. So, so let's switch gears and talk about heavy equipment a little bit. Um, you're working with customers right now, you were focusing on operations and landscaping, and now you've kind of shifted into the heavy equipment industry. How has working with customers and focusing on the operations of landscape companies changed how you look at heavy equipment in general?
1: So I think that a lot of contractors, myself included, we really need to take a long, hard look at the costs associated with owning that heavy equipment for years. We were buying and selling pieces of equipment that were, you know, (laughs) they could be 50,000, they could be 500,000 depending on what you need. Um, so take a long, hard look at those, those costs for those, those pieces of equipment and then weigh them against renting. Um, and yes, we're a little biased because we, we are a rental, uh, platform, but at the same time uh, we were renting equipment um, well before dozer uh, came around and we were doing that because the the actual cost um, associated with owning that large piece of equipment and not being able to utilize it year round, which is a problem that's in this industry right. um, becomes astronomic. So why not look at the cost between renting versus owning? Both are great options. I want to be clear that there is absolutely a, a value in, in having that asset in your yard. Um, but really look at those costs and, and make sure it makes sense before you make any, any big decisions on right. a huge piece of equipment that could absolutely change your business. Um, <laughs> unfortunately for better or uh, for
0: worse. <laughs> yeah. So what was the first piece of equipment you ever operated?
1: Um, obviously coming from the, you know, growing up on farms and things like that, it was, uh, you know, we were John Deere tractors. That's where it, uh, I kind of cut my teeth on. Nice. Um, but, uh, you know, which came to help out uh, in the future when we obviously were, um, when a lot of people were still using pickup trucks to plow parking lots. We had adopted ag equipment, John Deere tractors, things like that with blades on them to help, uh, to help drive efficiencies. Um, so that helped me um, as I moved into, uh, into this industry for sure.
0: Nice. So what I, I love asking people this, this question, especially people like yourself that have worked in the industry for so long, what is your favorite piece of equipment and why?
1: I'll tell you, I, this is, I, I don't have a specific favorite piece of equipment, but anybody who's ever, I've done some consulting before too in, in into our industry and, and <laughs> anybody who ever asked me that question, my answer is uh, undoubtedly always the piece of equipment that you can utilize year round. Um, regardless of of what that piece is, I like specifically anything that I can, that we can either rent or we can purchase that I can utilize every day of the week, 12, 12 months a year. Right. Does that make sense? So if I, for example, if we were to say a telehandler, um, if I'm a construction company, I can put a snow plow on that telehandler and very efficiently plow and stack snow. I personally believe telehandler is going to be taking place, uh, or sorry, it's going to take the place of a lot of uh, agricultural equipment here in the very short, okay. short period. Interesting. And, you know, summertime, we can take that plow off and we can, you know, we can, it takes the place of a forklift around the shop. We can load our aggregates. We can, uh, unload trucks as they arrive with pallets of, of material for us. So it's something that will benefit you year round. So specifically don't have a, a, uh, favorite piece, but yeah, my favorite piece is the one I can always use and is always making us money.
0: Yeah. I think that's a smart answer that goes back to your, your comment earlier on efficiencies. I think that makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. So, because this podcast is called Dirt Stories, we're really uncovering those untold stories across the industry with every person we're talking to. So I want to dive a little bit more into your story. Are there any moments from your career that stand out to you? Maybe, maybe (laughs) good or bad, um, but something that was like one of the defining moments you would say in your career?
1: I I don't, I know, again, I don't think we've got, I've got a ton of actual defining aha moments I've probably forgot more than I've learned. You know what I mean? (laughs) Over the years. Um, I I won't get specifically with what companies or who the people are, but there's people in this industry right now that I either worked with or I hired or I helped hire 20 years ago. And those people are still in the industry today. Nice they're either business owners, they own landscape snow companies. Um, they are, you know, maybe they're senior managers or, or directors at other large landscape or construction firms. Um, so for me, that piece is, is seeing, um, those people 20 years ago that are still in this industry and understood back then that this can be a career. And that's important. That was, that for me is one of those defining moments that, uh, it, nice. it, this 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 landscape construction industry is absolutely a career path, and I still today think that a lot of people don't see it as that. Um, but I have seen it progress over the years and been involved with it. And I mean I'm still here, um, and it, it's it's. Uh, I think that for me that was a that was the big one.
0: Yeah, I actually I, I want to touch on that for a sec because we talk about that a lot at Dozer and in other interviews that I've had as well is whether it's construction or it's landscaping or it's, it's operating equipment, like something specific like that, there isn't really a career path that you are told of when you're in high school. You know, you're thinking about what you're going to do for a living and it's kind of, do I go to college? Do I go to university? And there isn't really, you're not really told about any other career paths that you could take or even beyond that, if you go to university, what do you take? How do you go to school for landscaping? Where do, you, where do you get training? What does that education path look like? Can you tell our listeners a little bit about where they could get started or how they could learn more if they wanted to get into the industry?
1: I think the best place to start your your research would be with any of the local associations here in Ontario. We have Landscape Ontario and there's, there's different associations all over Canada and the US that cater to... To those students looking to uh, to get into this industry, um, it absolutely is a career path, and it, it absolutely can be. Um, there's some highly educated people out there that are that are making a lot of money in this in this industry, uh, but I would start there if I look back on my career <laughs> turf grass, Becca, you alluded to it earlier in the, <laughs> in the conversation that you didn't even realize that that was something you could take. Um, you know, my past started out thinking I was going to be, uh, you know, maybe in the golf industry or something like that. And here I am today in a, in a, uh, a, not so much today per se, but over the last bunch of years, I've I've been able to, to parlay that into a, into a career within this industry. So, um, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of different avenues that you can look at. Whether it's it's heavy equipment operator training, whether it's landscape design, landscape architecture, um, they all kind of go hand in hand. I mean, as far as if we want to get really broad, uh, logistics companies that are floating heavy equipment, truck drivers, things like that. Those careers are. Are within our industry. Um, I mean, Dozer itself, uh, myself, and, and our team here, <laughs> logistics, we're moving equipment every single day um, on 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 uh, transport trucks. So it's it's broad in it, and I think that uh, there's a lot of trading opportunities out there. But I think your your local uh, landscape associations are probably the best mm-hmm. place to start.
0: Yeah, I think it's so important too to have or try and develop relationships with people in the industry, so you can have someone to give you that advice or if you're lucky enough to have someone mentor you because it's just you you need that you need to have a relationship to to help you kind of find your footing and get that foundation going
1: for sure i totally agree
0: so on the topic of relationships what have you learned about the power of relationships in business
1: i think that just you know spanning my career i've tried to do my best not to you know and this goes for um uh, former employers, past clients, vendors, try not to burn any bridges. Um, you ne- you're never know where you're going to need to, uh, it's inevitable that you're, at some point you're going to need to lean back on these people over the years uh, mm-hmm. or in the coming years and, and to help you to not only benefit yourself, but maybe your staff or, or, or uh, people that, that uh, you might be mentoring. Um, I think just, just maintaining those relationships is, is wildly important. I would say that that would just try your best not to uh, to burn bridges. Although this is a massive industry in North America, yeah. a lot of people, a lot, of, a lot of people know each other, and and, uh, and word gets around pretty quick. So, so
0: I want to talk a little bit about skills for the for the people that are listening. Maybe they're just getting started in their careers. You've worked you know, in operations, you're working now in customer success. What skills would you say are the most important to develop that you can lean on throughout your career in this industry?
1: I think it, there's all sorts of skills that you can develop. Um, I think having broad-based skills are important. Things like just honesty and integrity. You, you're building landscapes, you're plowing snow, whatever it is that you're doing, um, you're working with that client, you need to be honest and upfront with them. Situations, both good and bad, are going to arise over the course of a, a relationship with a client. So it's so important for your business just to maintain your honesty, maintain your integrity. Um, as we all know, if you're dishonest, it, it, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt you in the long run. hmm uh, I think, secondly, just being able to think quickly on your feet and problem solve. Uh, Something that I learned years ago to be able to, in today's day and age with technology and and whatnot, um, I call it the Amazon experience, everything's super quick. Um, Quick, efficient solutions in today's world are, are needed. So, being able to think on your feet, think quickly, and problem solve fast and get the right Uh, resolution for that situation um i think that that's been hugely important Mm -hmm. Uh, learn from those mistakes too right you're never going to make always make that right decision but um learn from that those poor mistakes and i've made plenty of them um you don't want to keep making them over and over and over again so just honesty integrity Mm -hmm. being a quick efficient problem solver
0: and nice. I, know those are,
1: I know those are broad, but they, if everyone can apply those to their specific business, I think.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Uh, well, before we sign off and say goodbye today, is there anything that you'd like to leave our listeners with?
1: Um, I think, uh, for the most part, I think there's two things. One, and they're both kind of around employee development and relationships and, and labor. <laughs> as business owners, as senior managers, and and people within our organization who have influence, um, there's a ton of work and talent out there. Let's be creative. Look for non-traditional ways to hire and find staff. Don't be afraid to hire some of those students or people that may not be from our industry. I used to look specifically when times were tough and looking for staff, I used to look specifically for, for people that had a customer service background. I wasn't so much learning or trying to find somebody that had a you know ten years in the landscape industry. Um, I would look more for people that worked at Starbucks and McDonald's and places like that where they had lots of interaction with people, because nice. that's what's gonna that's what's gonna help your business. Is it's going to be create those those great relationships with your staff. If you do that if you are able to uh, hire and retain your staff with great culture and training and development, those staff are going to keep your clients happy.
0: Nice. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's great advice. That might be some of the best advice I've heard yet on the podcast.
1: There you go.
0: Amazing. Well, thank you for joining us today. It was a pleasure talking to you and I'm sure it won't be the last time we'll be hearing from you.
1: I appreciate it, Becca. Thanks so much.
0: Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you'd like to read more articles on topics about construction and dirt stories, check it out on the Dozer Hub at dozer.com slash blog and select Dirt Stories. Follow us on Instagram at Dozer Hub for the latest news in the industry and follow our blogs and podcasts through the Dirt Stories hashtag on social media. Want to be featured on the podcast? Contact us via social media or at dozer.com slash blog if you or someone you know has a dirt story to share. Today's episode was sponsored and produced by Dozer, the world's first e-commerce solution for heavy equipment rentals. Visit dozer.com to learn more.